Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. my pair of dickie overalls to preach in. Um, it's good times. Um, guys, don't be jealous. You can purchase these too. Um, ladies, I am taking. I'm sorry. Um, off the market. I know, in case you were wondering in these. But hey, uh, real quick, before we get going into the message, all the men here today, all the FC men, we are doing a discipleship um, unlike we've done it before, Joel, of course, was talking about it. And, and what it is, it's not a curriculum base. It is based out of relationships. And we just really, when you read the Gospels, Jesus created disciples out of just spending time with them. And out of relationships flowed them becoming the men of God that they were called to be. And it talks about that in the Bible, that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so we want that to be a reality for your life and for your heart. Um, And so we're going to be meeting in smaller groups all throughout Tulsa. And if you want to get involved in that, man, you just want to make relationships and get better. Be a better you. We're going to be starting that in January. You can sign up after service. Chad Craig, he's a really tall, big man. Um, he's going to be out there by the sign, uh, sign up booth and table, and we would love to make that a reality in your life um, just to get better. Today, I want to talk to you about skinny jeans and overalls. Skinny jeans and overalls. And so it could have been worse. I could have worn skinny jeans today. Um, and so uh, this, this will all come together. And, and we're in our series called Before the Manger. This is the fourth week of it. And, and today I want to talk to you. We, we talk, we know the story of Jesus' birth. And Jesus is a central figure, as he should be. Uh, Mary is a pretty central figure, as she should be as well. But you don't hear a lot of messages, and you don't hear many people talk about Joseph, right? Joe doesn't get a lot of press in the Bible. Um, he, he, he's, he's, we, we know he's the father, the earthly father of Jesus, but we don't really hear that much about the life of Joseph. But Joseph shows us something in just the, 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 the birth of Jesus, the story of the birth of Jesus that we can learn so much about. And so today I want to give us three things that we can kind of take away from Joseph's life and the way that he conducted and the way that he lived his life. And so our text is going to be found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. And it says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage could 
but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. He took Mary as his wife. The first thing we learn from Joseph's life in this, just this, this segment of Scripture is this, is do the right thing in the right way. Do the right thing. Most of us know to do the right thing, right? But there's a lot of time, and I see this happen so many times in life, we don't, we don't, I'm going to use really bad English right now. We don't do right in the right way. We don't be right in the right way, right? Um, um, we, we, we can be right, we can be correct, but let me ask you, when you are correct, when you, when you know that you know that you know you are right, are you right in the right way? What, what do I mean by that? Are you, do you have the right attitude the right motive, the right spirit when you are right, or do you become smug, right? Like, hmm, hmm, peasants, I know, I know, and you don't, right? Like, like I, I, okay, okay, keep talking, because you're just digging a bigger hole of how wrong you are, right? Do you, are you a person that when you're right, you're right in the right way? You have the right attitude, you have the right spirit, about you. This happens to me. If I'm ever right when it comes uh, with me and Casey talking about anything, it doesn't happen a lot, right? I can, I, can, I can say that. So when I'm right, I'm like, hey, what does that make you, Casey? And I'm like, she'll never say it. I'm like, it makes you wrong, right? It makes you wrong. We'll be talking about marriages later on next year, but... Um, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm right. That makes you right. And I'm not right in the right way. And when we aren't right with the right spirit in the right way, what happens is we lose our effectiveness to bring correction. We, bring, we lose our effectiveness to bring enlightenment. Enlightenment's a really nice way to tell someone they're wrong. <laughs> We, we lose our, our really our ability to really bring resolution to some conflict or to a situation because we've had the wrong attitude when we're being right. And this is something that Joseph did so, so good. Now, now, this is not a sermon that's talking about how bad Mary was or Mary was wrong, because we know, we understand. We have the advantage of having the whole story that Mary didn't do anything wrong. But I want you to put yourself in Joseph's situation right now. 
I want us all to be Joe this morning. Matthew 1, he is engaged. He loves Mary. Mary loves him. He loves Mary. They're engaged. They're going to get married. And then she shows up, and she's pregnant. And Joseph knows this. Well, I didn't do nothing to get you pregnant, girl. I'm not that baby's daddy, right? I'm not... It's not in the Bible. This is the JGV version, the Justin Graves version of the Bible, right? Like, I'm not that baby's daddy. I, I don't, I don't, you know, that's not, that's something happened. And, and oh, just, just hear me out here. I'm not trying to add scripture in. I just want us to imagine something. It doesn't say how Mary told Joseph that she was pregnant, right? But, but what if? We're going to pretend the what if is true, which we don't know. So I'm not trying to be like, I'm not making scripture that's not there. But if she told Joseph, I'm pregnant, and God got me pregnant. <laughs> Are you serious right now? Like, like, I'm pregnant with the Lord's baby, right? Like, like <laughs> what are you talking? I mean, there's, there's like that moment when you're engaged that you realize when a person's crazy or not crazy. And this is Joseph's moment. Like, whoo, I dodged that bullet, right? Like, because can, can you just, I can't imagine. Like, yeah, and I'm going to have the Lord's baby. Um, and we, all of the generations have been <laughs> waiting for this surprise. Um, like, what? Wait, wait, what? Like, uh, really imagine Joseph's situation. This is what he is facing right now. And so it says Joseph decides to break off the engagement quietly. He was doing, the, he had the right to do it, but he did it in the right attitude, in the right spirit. There, there's sometimes, and, and we, we hear, you know, broke off the engagement, and, and really what has happened to our culture, we have romanticized breaking off engagements, right? Like, we're like, oh, that's when real love takes place. And so, um, there, there's some things that, I, as men, as people that, that we're in charge of the spiritual well-being of our household, we have to take stands at some point. Um, and there's something going on in our culture that is like this crazy phenomenon that's happening right now. And man, I gotta tell you, as, as a dad, as a husband, man, I've been standing strong on this and just really, man, living it and drawing a sand in the line and this is not going to happen in the Graves household and when I'm gone in Kenya, there is something, a, a blasphemous thing that has invaded the Graves Manor and it's called the Hallmark Movie Channel um, in the Graves house and I hate it. My girls love it. Chloe's first Hallmark movie, she's crying at the end, and I'm like, that's it. I'm going to go cut something down, right? Like, I, I'm just like, my testosterone level cannot take, I already got three girls. I have played princess growing up with the girls. I am not watching a Hallmark movie. I'm not doing it. And Charlie, but dad, I will kiss you, and I will cuddle with you. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You're going to kiss me anyways, and you're going to cuddle if I make you. Um, you know, I'm just like... Sand line is drawn. Not going to happen. But, but here's the deal. If an engagement was broken up on the Hallmark movie channel, here's how I picture it going. All right? You first have to have some cheesy background music. And so you have cheesy background music. 
And what has happened, there is a guy and a girl that have met, but something happened, and it's the guy, right, for that girl. And, and something happened that moved him away, and they got distant, and she just moved on. And she met a good guy. And the good guy, he's, you know, like him, but you just can't get on board with them. They're not like Team Benefer, right? Like, it's just, it's just not Right, and all of a sudden, they're engaged, they're getting ready to get married, and then the guy comes home for Christmas because everything happens at Christmas, right? He comes home at Christmas, they bump into each other at like a supermarket, and they're like, oh, look at you, look at you, and they fall in love, and like you're like, yes, and they kiss, and when they kiss, it has to snow because it's a Hallmark Christmas movie, and so they kiss, and they, they and Instead of just canceling her wedding with the good guy, they just take over the whole reservation. The good guy's not mad. He's just like, I'm happy you guys found true love. There's no crazy jealous ex-fiance. It's all neat and clean. They get married. They fast forwards. They live in this comfy house. They've got two cars, two children, and a horse they share. They name Glue because that's just cute. And, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. That is not how it works in the real world, right? The Hallmark Christmas movie channel isn't real. I know, some of you are about to leave this church right now. Stand strong, fellas, I'm here with you. If you need support, I'll give you my cell phone after service. Here's the deal. When, when Joseph decided to get engaged to Mary, it wasn't a lighthearted decision that was made. To get engaged in the Jewish culture at that time in the New Testament was a big deal. You had to get the approval of both sets of parents, both sides of the family. And the only way you got to cancel your engagement, it was really considered more of a divorce than a breakup, was if one of them died, we were like, well, yeah, you can't really marry a dead person, um, or if there was sexual misconduct. And if there was, like it or not, ladies, this was the Jewish law, if there was sexual misconduct and the lady was responsible, the, the penalty was being stoned to death. And so Joseph knows, he, he doesn't know the full story, this is pre-angel appearing, okay? Joseph just knows what he's dealing with. He knows that he has the right to make a spectacle. He knows he has the right to have a bad attitude about it. But instead, he decides to break off the engagement quietly. He's been wronged, and yet he still does right with the right attitude and the right spirit. And I gotta tell you, this next rest of the month, you're gonna encounter family, you're gonna encounter coworkers, you're gonna encounter friends that have done you wrong. And you're right. And can you still do what is right with the right attitude and become a Joseph to that person? Because that's what Joseph shows us. It, it, it wasn't just about being right. It was about being right, having the right spirit, extending grace. I'm about to get to my second point. But, but doing the right thing the right way. And the second thing Joseph shows us is this, is that we are called to protect and restore rather than reveal and destroy. 
Man, we're called to protect and restore rather than reveal and destroy. Can I tell you, Joseph could have lit up Mary. He could have shamed Mary. He could have made it to where she couldn't recover from this thing. There was no Facebook. We'll just call it the Galilean like times where he could have gotten on and been like, woman, having the son of God. You know, she crazy. Back off. You know, um, there's blasphemy there. There's all, and all this stuff could have gone wrong. But Joseph, instead of identifying you did this, right? And dest- I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to show you how wrong. No, 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 no. Instead, he protected her, and he was trying to restore. He was trying for this moment to not wreck the rest of Mary's life. And what happens for a lot of us, anytime we've been wronged, anytime something happens that we weren't planning on, we start, you act like me in pool basketball. If you come to my house and we play pool basketball, I'm just going to tell you right now, we aren't friends. If you're not on my team, I'm not your pastor. We're going at it. And I'm going to find your weakness and I'm going to exploit it and I'm going to destroy you. More than likely, I'm going to swim you to the deep end and I'm going to pull you down while I'm touching until you can't breathe and then I can get the ball and shoot it just fine that's how it works isn't that fun right like come on over it's a blast I'm gonna oil up and you can't even grab me like you can't touch this I'm like whoop anyways um it's gonna be a fun day today um but and a lot of us that's how we conduct ourselves when we feel we've been wronged we're gonna we're gonna find your weakness Man, we're going to exploit it, and we're going to make it known to the world. And this morning, that's not how you're called to conduct yourself. That's not how I'm called to conduct myself. And and Jesus spelled it out for us in John chapter 8, verse 3 through 11, with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. It says this, as he was speaking, as Jesus was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in the front of the crowd, and teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. There's all these different, like, theories and thoughts of what Jesus wrote in the dust. Can I tell you, nobody knows. So if somebody says they know, they don't know. Like when I get to heaven, that's my, be my number one question. Like what'd you write, right? I just want to know, what did you write? Um, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. let's, Let's pause for a second. This woman did wrong. Okay, let, let's, let's let that be known. She did wrong. And, and, and here's, how, here's what we find in this 
Scripture, in this passage of Scripture, is that it wasn't Jesus trying to shame her. It was the religious people. It was the church people. They wanted to make sure that everybody knew what she did, to to know what her present situation was, what her past was. And can I tell you, the way that we shame others is through our mouths. It's through us. God, I can't believe they showed up at Foundations Church. Do you know what they were doing Friday night? How do you know what they were doing Friday night? Well, I was over in the corner of the club. Like, no, no. I saw them. No, no. And the way we shame people, the way we destroy people, the way we run people off from ever experiencing a real relationship with Jesus Christ is right here. It's with our mouths. It's just saying, look at what they did. Can, can you believe he did this? Can you believe she engaged in this? Can, can you believe? And it's not just something the older people do, man. It's something the teenagers do. It's something college students do. It's something all of us do if we're not careful. And hear me, this is not a message to ignore sin. That's not what I'm saying today. Well, Justin, are you saying that we should just overlook it? I'm not saying we should overlook sin, but what I am saying is we should make sure sin doesn't become their identity. We should make sure that there is a recovery moment for somebody who's messed up just like you messed up, just like I messed up, that man, our job is not to shame, is not to identify, is not to destroy, but our job is to love, is to speak life, is to make sure that a moment didn't become their whole purpose and think that they've missed out on the rest of their life, but to bring encouragement, to bring life, to bring insight that there's going to be a better day, there's still purpose, there's still life for you. And Joseph does that with Mary. He says, man, I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm still going to protect you. And hopefully you can restore your life somewhere along the lines. And can I tell you, you and I are to be the extension of God's hands and allow him to restore other people. Allow him to put grace and mercy in their life and turn them around and let a new chapter begin in your life. But that's never going to happen if all they find is shame and destruction the moment that they walk into church. Man, we've got to be like Joseph in this story and that we realize, man, our job isn't to call it out. Man, our job is to love it out and to protect and to be the extension of God's love and grace and to help God restore the hurt. Third thing we find out from Joseph's life is this. I love this point. Be more about what the Lord's commands instead of being consumed with what culture thinks. Be more about what the Lord commands instead of being consumed with what culture thinks. Matthew chapter one, verse 24 says this, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Joseph could have sulked. Well, you know, I've waited my whole life. I haven't done anything wrong, and yet you're asking me to do something that's not fair. This, This isn't fair, God. Because here's the reality. There was a social stigma that followed Joseph and Mary the rest of their days. Like, you didn't, you didn't stay engaged to a lady that got pregnant. 
right? And it's not like they can be like, hey, it's okay, it's the Lord's baby, right? Like, what are you talking about? That's, that's just God's baby, just baking in there. That's all right. Everything's cool. I'm cool. She's cool. God's cool. We're great with this. No, 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 no. That's, that's not how it played out. Joseph had to live with the fallout of what the culture thought about him. Maybe about what his parents thought, his friends thought, his coworkers. But here, here it is, and, and this is what I love. And if you've, if you've tuned out, if you've zoned out, man, come right back in. Everybody focus right back in. Because this is huge, and this will transform the way you live your life if you listen. Every teenager, every college student, every parent, every single adult, every grand. Here's the question that you and I have to answer, and we've got to answer it honestly, and it comes right out of this. Whose approval are you living for? Whose approval are you living for? Because what I understand is whoever's approval you're trying to gain, whosever approval I'm trying to win and gain will dictate my choices and my actions. And my choices and my actions make up what my life is, not what my ambitions were, not what my intentions were, but my choices and actions become the sum of what my life has become. And whose approval are you trying to win? Because that's what's making up your life. That's what's making up your life. It's what you're living for. It's what you're doing. And man, you and I, some of us, we are trying to win the approval of our friends and the group that we're hanging out with. And people, here's it. Some of us are trying to win the approval of culture of people you and I don't even know. That's crazy. Right? Like we're going in debt to impress people we don't know. We're compromising to be cool with people we don't know. And it's a lot like overalls and skinny jeans. All right? Now, skinny jeans are the new cool thing, right? Not, not necessarily new, but I have a pair of Sammy Floyd skinny jeans, right? <laughs> <laughs> These aren't Sammy's. Aren't you? Be nice to Sammy. He's a great children's director. I know, I know, but they're Sammy's. Um, today, they're Sammy's. Maybe Craig Bowman's too. But um, anyways, just a little guy. Um, can you, first off, can some things just don't belong, right? Like, I don't belong in these. And, and, and here's the thing, like, if, if you kind of got the look going on, you got your skinny jeans going, you got your long, flowy T-shirt that almost touches your knee, you got your beanie and your thick rim glasses, and you are just it. You, you like to talk theology. You like really, like, picky coffee places, and like you are driving some sort of hybrid vehicle. That's, that's, that's it. Right, and here's the deal, not that I'm against skinny jeans, okay, not that I'm, but when, when I go to do stuff outside, these are my actual overalls. There's little oil stains, there's things. When it's time to go chainsaw stuff, when it's time to go like do destruction, chop wood, whatever it may be, when it's time to, I put my overalls on, I get my, I get my wheelbarrow out and I'm ready, I'm ready to work, I'm ready to do work, I'm ready to go after it. Like, like this, my wife and daughters hate this and I love it because I'm like, this is my work clothes, right? You can't work in these. 
you squat in these and you're going to rip the butt out of them. I mean, it's just, you can't. You're going to walk like this, pushing a wheelbarrow? No, you ain't going to, I'm going to chop some more. No, no, you can't. You can't do it. This looks cool, but it's not workable. And can I tell you, you and I are not to live our lives in a way that looks cool to this culture. You and I are not called to be skinny jean Christians. You and I are called to put our big boy and girl pants on and get to work and to do what God is commanding us. We have watered down the Bible and we think the Bible is a book of suggestions rather than commandments. There is a book of commandments and the only way it lives out is if you start putting your big boy and big girl pants on. This is the call. And can I tell you, this this mentality is rampant in the church. Man, it, it's, we want to be cool Christians, but God never called you to be a cool Christian. He called you to be an obedient Christian. Oh, but I want to be relevant. You can be relevant, but not at, the, at, not at the price of disobedience. You and I are called to live our life for one person's approval. His. To play our life in such a way for an audience of one. And the question, I keep coming back to it. Whose approval are you living for? Why, the way you're working, the way you're living your life, who's it for? Is it so everybody looks at you and, and man, if I, if I do certain stuff and they retweet it and they share it and they, they like it, then yes, I feel good about myself. Or is it just to be obedient even when nobody else sees? Here's what the Bible says, and here's what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. It says, whatever work you do, do it with all your heart, and do it for the Lord and not for men. Don't, don't do it to win other people's approval. Don't do it so people see what a great guy you are, what a great wife you are, what a great mom, what a great dad you are. No, 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 don't do it for their approval. Do it for his. Don't, don't try to be cool. Stop chasing cool and just start doing what the Lord's commanding you to do. Because can I tell you, that I've got to close, I've got to finish, I've got to go. I could preach in my overalls all day. Because the sad, yeah, woo. Um, that's what I tell Casey, woo, girl. <laughs> it's a good thing there's not a lot of neighbors. Anyways, um, the... <laughs> The other thing is this, overall stand out. There ain't no, there's not, we're in Oklahoma and there's still not a whole lot of people wearing overalls everywhere you go. But skinny jeans, everybody's wearing them. I saw a guy wearing white yoga pants at the gym. I was like, stop, we've got to draw lines and that is a line, like no, go back and change, right? Here's the deal, these, these blend in, these stand out. These blend in. These stand out. You're called to stand out. Your life is not called to blend into the culture. Your life is not called to just fit in with the world that you find yourself with. And it's not that you become this showy, look at my life. It's that the, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your, your Father in heaven, that they may see your good works and that it doesn't point to you, that it doesn't point to how, how awesome you are, but that your works would glorify your Father in heaven. 
whose, whose approval are you working for? Whose approval are you concerned with? Because if it's to fit in, if it's to blend in, you got it backwards. You were meant to stand out. I was meant to stand out. Joseph's decision stood out, even though there was backlash in the culture, even though there was a stigma that went with it. He was more concerned about doing what the Lord commanded than what culture thought of him. And what's true of Joseph has to be true of you and me. We have to be concerned about doing what the Lord has commanded than what culture finds cool, acceptable, and popular. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. I thank you for today. And and God, there's so much that we learn from Joseph's story. There's so much we learn from this passage of Scripture. And God, I pray that you would make us Joseph's in a culture that so desperately needs Joseph's. God, that you would help us not to just be right, but to be right in the right way with the right attitude, the right spirit, that Lord, in a culture that is jaded against church, people have been hurt by church, wounded by church, just by walking in because they've got a past. Lord, all of us have a past. All of us, the Bible says in Romans 3, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Lord, all of us have messed up. And so God, I pray, don't let us be religious people that point in shame. Lord, let us protect. Use us in some way to help restore people's dignity and the purpose, to bring encouragement, to bring direction, and to be your hands extended to a culture that's just looking for another chance. God, that they haven't ruined it, that they haven't messed it all up, but there's still purpose for their life. And so, Lord, I pray that our mouths, to our family, to our coworkers, to our friends, to our neighbors, that it would be words of encouragement, words of life, and not words of shame and gossip. And Lord, I pray for every one of us in this place. God, that we would not blend in. God, that we would not be more concerned about culture's opinion of us and culture's thoughts of us. God, that we would not be trying to win the approval of the culture we're around we would be more concerned about what you're commanding us to do. Lord Jesus, we would not use your word as a book of suggestions. God, we would live out the commandments that you're placing in our life. God, to stand out, to work at this life and all that we do. God, to work at this life for you to gain your approval. Not this world's, not this culture's, not men's. Lord, that we would stand out and that all that we would do, we would do it as working unto the Lord to live our life for you, to play, to live, to do this life for an audience of one, for your purpose, for your calling. God, I pray don't let us live small lives. Don't let us live lives that blend in. Don't let us fall for the trap of trying to fit into culture. But, Lord, you never called us to fit in. God, you just called us to work at this life you've commanded us to work at. Lord, move in us. 
And let there be transformation of our life because there's application of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here, you say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you that chance. You may be here today and maybe you just say, I've never made the decision or man, I'm just not where I need to be. In the process of living my life, I've fallen in the trap of trying to live life for culture instead of the Lord. And you need to get things right with him. Man, you need to recommit your life. You need to come back home. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you into another room. We just believe that God sees a hand and he changes a life. And if that's you, make the best decision you will ever make in your life when I get to three. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. There's one, there's two. Is there anyone else? You join these two hands that are lifted across this place. You say, Justin, that's me. That's me, man. There's a change that needs to happen. There's one other hand. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands before we go any further in service. You say, Justin, that's me. That's me. There's just a change that needs to happen. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. I've confessed that I've messed up, that I've sinned, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask that your grace and mercy would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these three individuals that raise their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.